everybody. Hello and welcome. Grab your favorite hot and cold beverage and settle in because we got another episode of the Nerds of the North, the premier former video game show hosted by Two Brothers and the Third Guy, only live from Simon Basement, Adam's Basement, and Matt's second floor. I'm your father, son of the goalie host, Simon Pazor, joined by my faithful squad mates, Adam Pazor and Matthew Menia. How are we doing, lads? Well, we have like actual spring, it seems, this time for real, for good, hopefully, fingers crossed. So, uh, <laughs> so, so we're doing pretty good. We're doing good. The uh, only part about the snow that I don't like was that because of the time of year, I wish we could gotten the equivalent amount of rain. That would have been so much more satisfying, but I don't mind the snow. Yeah. yeah I did I have one that. friend who's like an avid cross country skier who was just like, yes, more snow. <laughs> I can <laughs> ski again. Yes. Everyone's like, screw you. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just exhausted. This is the last two weeks of term, and I am wiped. Fair. Okay, so we'll keep it light. I'm going to uh, sneak in my update on Cyberpunk 2077. I will most likely have beaten it by the next time we speak. Uh, and it went from pretty good to, this is a very good game. I, and I, I saw a meme on, I think, the Cyberpunk, or no, it was the PC Master Race um, Reddit page. That was, you know, that meme from the Joker? Where he's talking to the talk show host, Murray. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's like, so you're telling me that you actually enjoyed Cyberpunk 2077? I did. And I'm tired of pretending I did it. <laughs> so, I mean, if to quote game to have a review, The Witcher 3 is for me, obviously, an 11 out of 10, right? It's that rare game yeah. that peaks above. But I'm going to give Cyberpunk like a solid four. And I think if they actually Peter Molyneux it and delivered on what they were talking about, I could see this being a five out of five. And if you're more into this genre than um, than The Witcher 3, then this could be this has the potential to be a lot of people's favorite games of all time. And I'm uh, I'm not joking. So last time when I talked about it, it was so early in the game and I'm basically playing like a technomancer, like a, basically a wizard. But it's hacking. It's not magic, right? Yeah. And I think Adam can confirm pretty much every game where you get to play a character with magic. The first like 10 hours suck. <laughs> because you have one spell and it's kind of okay, but it's just better to smack shit with a sword at that point, like in Dark Souls or whatever. It's like, how long can Soul Arrow and Fireball get me? You know? Yeah, not far. But then I got later into the game and uh, things expanded. And now, like, I walk into a situation, I like, I see a guy, I see a camera, I'll hack it, I'll control the camera, and I'll just go through the facility. I'll see a guy, he's next to a couple other guys. Okay, I'll like blind them so they can't see what I'm doing. And then I'll set off a grenade in another guy's pocket. And then I'll just deactivate a turret or better yet, take control of a turret and have them shooting at that. And then after everyone's dead, just casually stroll in, grab what I wanted and get out. <laughs> so in that sense, I'm having a really good time. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun driving cars in the past week. They actually updated it last week. I said it was crashing like once every hour. Yeah. It's not. It still crashed a few times, but they uh, they did another update and that fixed like 90% <laughs> of the crashes for me, which is still nice. And uh, and the characters and story, go figure, from a company that can do that uh, are, are really good. So I'm pretty much like every time I... I think last time what I said was I had played it because of obligation. That's exactly what I said. I was playing it out of obligation, the fact that I had it, not because I wanted to. Now I want to play it. I'm having a ton of fun. So whatever recommendation I had last week has gone up and obviously it's only going to get better because they're going to keep patching it. So uh, snaps for CD Projekt Red for not fucking it up. Well, they fucked it up. They well. fucked it up. Big time. <laughs> but there there the is definitely some up being fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, to, I mean, to use that Miyazaki quote, not Miyazaki, not, not him. He's the other guy. Um, the Nintendo guy. Why am I blanking on his name? Miyamoto. Miyamoto. Miyamoto yeah. yeah. This is the classic game of like they should have kept delaying. I know they wanted it out for like the console generation, but like man, if this game had just stuck to its guns and been delayed until it was what they thought it could be, this would have been a generational defining game. I truly believe that because every time I run into something and like there's a lot to do, but there's still tons you can't do and it feels like you could. So when you go poking around online, it's just the feeling that there's a lot of cut content kind of thing like they in order to get it out, mm -hmm. this has got to go, this has got to go, this has got to go. And once, I mean, it's a huge embarrassment on the company, so I fully believe that they're going to put all that kind of stuff back in, um, either in DLC, free DLC, which is what they did for The Witcher, or otherwise. 
but once that stuff's in there, I think this is going to be a remarkable, remarkable game. So there you go. I uh, There's my brief history of Cyberpunk 2077. We'll see how I feel after it's all done. But let's move on to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, unless one of you guys has something burning in your loins that you need to talk about. Nope. Nope. Perfect. So, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're just talking about one episode this time, but boy, what an episode it is! <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not a boring one, that's for sure. So, at the beginning of the episode, they show you a bunch of recaps, and I'm sure you guys know, in a show like this, or really any show, but especially like this or Game of Thrones, Anytime they show you something like from three episodes ago on a recap, you're just like, oh, so that's coming up again. Right? Mm-hmm. Like a seemingly uh yeah. seemingly minor details. But in this they showed a lot of smaller stuff. It was a kind of a aside from the first action piece, which we'll get to in a moment, kind of a slower episode. This might I mean last week was probably my favorite episode so far. I think this this week even topped it. And I even said I think I actually prefer this to WandaVision. And I really dug WandaVision. So maybe we'll go to Matt or, uh, Adam first. Uh, as I go back and forth between the two of you. Adam, what did you think of this week's episode just broadly? Um, well, I find it really interesting that you opened that way because I couldn't disagree more. Oh boy, we got some got some I was feeling. I was bored out of my mind. Um oh. I, I thought this episode was the worst one by a long, long way. Cause it essentially felt like I'm I've been trying to remember what series did exactly this thing. But it was oh no, I would I know what it was. It was Harry Potter. I, this is how I felt after I read the sixth Harry Potter book, because I'm like, nothing happened. All she did was set up the pins for the seventh book. <laughs> and that's what this episode was. Nothing of consequence happened. All they did was set up the next episode. Like this could have been a, t- a five minute recap before the next episode. And they could have cut this entirely. Oh, man. We're going to get a debate going in this episode, but just so you know, Adam, take a wild guess. What's my favorite Harry Potter movie? Uh, the sixth one. It's six. <laughs> I think it's going to come up. Like, I didn't actually watch the sixth Harry Potter movie because I, at that point, I was just done. I was like, nope, I, that, no. It's character. Uh, it's all character. Matt, tiebreaker. I really liked it. I, hey! I, yeah, I kind of like the the calm before the storm type episodes. Um, and yeah, it was, it was nice. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of action. It was definitely slower paced. But I, I liked the time that we got with the characters. I liked Sam going back and seeing him interact with his sister and his nephews and, and, and those kind of scenes. Because um, it's, you know, it's been fairly fast paced the last couple. So I think it, it's good to kind of take a step back and, and get some of the character stuff. We got some of the best character stuff between Sam and Bucky that we've gotten, I think the entire series. Um, so yeah, I was definitely I a fan disagree, of that. I can't one. disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say uh, I watched it with my girlfriend and she was sort of on Adam's side where she was like, come on, like, let's go. I want to see some action. Um, so yeah, it seems like a little divisive, but I, I, I like the, the calm before the storm. I, I was a big fan of this one. I think the last, not even great because that was gone at this point, but the last good game of Thrones episode was exactly like this. It was the calm before the storm. And you're thinking in game of Thrones, similar to this, actually, you only got six episodes. Don't talk, but that talking ends up being so valuable. Okay. So let's move on. The first scene, uh, gets Adam, his action fix. I was kind of annoyed actually that the trailers for, and I didn't mention this in like any group chats. I didn't want to spoil it in case you guys hadn't seen it. But the trailers for the next episode showed Sam with the shield. And I was thinking, how the hell is Sam going to get the shield? And then they released like a mid-season, like a trailer for specifically episode five showed that. And then they released a mid-season episode or trailer for the entire series. And it showed them confronting John. Now, it didn't show like the results of it, but it just had like the three of them in the circle. I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. now I know that Sam gets the shield. And now I know that's how they do it because they confront John. And it's a great line from Bucky to be like, no, we actually kind of do or whatever he says. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, we do. You guys don't want to do this. Yeah, we we do. We want nothing more than this. Well, I just uh, wish I didn't know that. Before we get any further, I just want to clarify. I didn't have a problem with it that there wasn't any any action, because in fact, in, in my opinion, the strongest part of the episode is the bit back at at Sam's sister's house with the whole boat thing and the great character moment between him and Bucky. Like that was the best part of the episode. No mm-hmm. question. But my point is just that it like I I'm fine with character. Remember, I'm a, j- a giant Joss Whedon fan. Character moments in uh, scenes are what I live for. 
but this, this no this this one was dull apart from that one great moment bucky's apology which we'll get to is glorious well but, yeah it, i'm i'm sure we'll pick this yeah. apart and and try to determine why it worked for us and it didn't work for you but um so first of all i'm paused at three minutes and 30 seconds in and it reminds me that i've been imp- i had never heard of kari skogland i think is the name of the director um and i'm certainly gonna have to like whoever marvel hired to be their director and cinematographer cinematography in this is astonishing and like 330 and you just have john like kneeling with the shield in front of him in an empty warehouse it's just like that's beautiful i would put that on a wall it's john walker so it's fucked up but i would put it on a wall (laughs) you know it's pretty incredible so you have we're seeing john kind of go into more of his psychosis uh he's convinced that the the guy that he killed i'm blanking on his name it doesn't particularly matter i guess he's dead uh he's convinced that that guy was the one who killed Lamar, not uh geez, why Kari. Kari? Yeah. Kari. Sorry, you have the same name of Carly. 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 Kari Kari is the director. Carly is the uh is the terrorist who has now gone like full terrorist. But this opening fight scene I thought was fantastic. Similar to what I was complaining about last week, actually. I thought again Bucky could handle Steve all by himself and John Walker is no Steve. Or maybe John Walker's actually better than Steve because he's had more like literal training. I don't know. But to me, John Walker's no Steve. So Bucky going toe to toe with Steve with Bucky and Sam struggling with John Walker. A little bit confused, but I guess they're still showing that Bucky's holding back a little bit. And he did have some good superhero mo- or superhuman moments in this episode, so I can't complain too much. But I definitely also noticed in the, in the midst of all this, everyone got a chance to hold the shield. You know, Bucky got his little moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that yeah. they were actually very creative with Falcon's wings specifically. Like he uses them to trap or to trip John. He uses them as like a, uh, there's another time where he like grabs and he like almost hooks John. It reminded me of, he learned from Spider-Man is what I said when I watched it. Like he, yeah, he uses, uses them to like and then maneuver try to fly away. himself for different like yeah. fighting techniques and stuff like that. They're, they were used really interestingly and looking, I mean, knowing what happens at the end of the fight, I guess it's sort of like death flags for, <laughs> for his wings. You know, like when there's like a, mi- like a beloved minor character who suddenly gets like a big, long extended scene, like with just a whole bunch of like cool character, uh, character stuff. And then like, you know, 20 yeah, minutes later in the episode, down. they die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always think of it as the Sir Barristan Selmy scene. Uh, Literally. but I feel yeah. like that's sort of what they were doing at the wings. I'm just like, Oh man, look at all this cool stuff they're doing with the wings. We haven't really seen Sam fight like this before. And then two minutes later, boom, wings are gone. <laughs> yeah. Wings are gone. It's also very interesting to see that John was going for the kill, kill strikes on all of them. Like, I think he tries to do the same beheading move he did to the guy on all of them and i like mm-hmm. genuinely john is kind of terrifying especially when he's just trying to like you think maybe he's trying to uh strangle falcon but he, he's actually ripping off the wings there because he's that yeah. i guess he thinks he's just going to be a man after that point and that's john's whole thing but adam what do you think of the uh the fight scene uh i mean this is where i was this is the first part where i was like oh this is going to be a boring episode because i thought it was a pretty <laughs> boring fight scene I was ex- I was just totally unimpressed. Um, I like I, I thought the wings moment was was kind of stupid because I'm like nothing about like it's not as if Falcon has been, you know, extensively using the wings in the whole series. And this is like a big oh shit. He's now a man. And he has to go home and recoup sort of thing. It was he's barely done any flying at all. Ripping off his wings has like minima- reduced his effect efficiency by maybe like three percent. Because most of what Falcon has done in this season has been talking, which is fine. That's a strength of his. And we got to see that. But like, if you're going to be John's being big, scary and ripping his wings off, have him actually have done stuff with the wings at some point in this series. Yeah, I guess like, it was a little bit more of the Barristan Selby moment at the, the opening scene of the season, right? It's like we yeah. thought that, that was a taste of what to come, but like they blew their uh, they blew their load on that first sequence. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I liked I liked Bucky going, yeah, we do. That was funny. And and I I like that you can see Sam and Bucky starting to fight together as opposed to just being in the same fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I liked that. But yeah, other than that, I, I was I was not super impressed with it. I think it makes more sense now just to circle back to your point about um about John being able to handle the both of them because he's now also a super soldier. 
Well, yeah, he definitely uh, wouldn't be able to do it without yeah. it. But to me, yeah. the order, if, if Bucky was equal to Steve and John is less than Steve, then Bucky should be greater than uh, John is, is how the math worked in my head. But I guess he's still, maybe we'll see, you know, in the upcoming episode after he forgives and truly uh, comes to grip with that. Maybe that'll like yeah. unlock his full potential. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I was kind of, Steve sorry, was never ahead. trying to kill anybody. True. Well, yeah. And, well. and Steve was a soldier, but he wasn't like, I mean, regardless of the actual super, super soldier serum, John Walker was kind of like a regular super soldier, right? Like he was, he was an elite at the top of the top soldier um, where Steve was. I mean, he was obviously a very good fighter, but like that wasn't really what made him what he was, where that is what kind of makes John what he was. So for me, the difference that I was kind of thinking was like, John's an, like an excellent soldier, an excellent fighter. And now he's a super soldier. So he's probably on par better than like a better fighter than Bucky. But Steve had the like the no quit attitude, you know, like he can go all day. John can't yeah. even though he's maybe like a more technically skilled fighter. You know, he's he still just doesn't have that kind of it factor that Captain America needs. And so it kind of lets him down. Maybe we'll phrase it like this. It, it's it's Bucky at the bottom or Sam at the bottom and then Bucky and then Steve and then John and then Winter Soldier. That's how I'll phrase it in my own head canon. Mm. Uh, so I can go back and watch Winter Soldier and watch him kick ass because I still don't think he's achieved that. But also they they don't have the same choreography team because the choreography in Winter Soldier was just. Yeah. And they're not trying to kill John. Yeah. No, exactly. Well, yeah, that arm break was was brutal. But of course, he's got the super soldier gene, so he's back. And then you have a nice moment at the end where Bucky gives the shield to Sam. And it's kind of there's no decision to be made here in Bucky's mind. Sam needs to be Captain America, although we'll kind of come to what that means later. Then we get Torres again. Kind of miss Torres. Uh, he comes in. That dude is just charismatic as fuck. You know, like that's been gone but, so long. I'd forgotten his name. <laughs> yeah, but he just comes in here and you know, like those people who they're just they just seem so comfortable in a room like that. He just seems the way he talks to Sam, it makes them seem like they have more of history than they do. Or even that that Sam kind of talks back to him. That's very interesting. But um, he basically says, good luck, good fucking luck finding Carly. And they have their give up your badger off the case moment. And then Sam leaves and he leaves the wings to Torres. Yep. There you go. Maybe we will get a new Captain America, but we're probably also going to get a new Falcon. Not necessarily next episode, although we'll see. But at some point, the seed has been planted for Falcon 2.0. Do you guys have any thoughts about that or should we just keep moving? I think well, it, it gives yeah. them like a jumping off point either to make somebody else the Falcon or to just have sort of, you know, a bit of a retirement. Um form if torres ends up being the falcon i'm totally down for that because I, I don't know who this actor is but he's great the character is really fun and engaging um so if yeah if they're doing this as like a you know a passing of the wings moment um then i'm i'm totally down for that i like this guy a lot he does become falcon in the comics i can confirm that oh uh, okay so yeah that would probably, be a clue. yeah <laughs> yeah so even if they're not doing it at least like leaning into an easter egg for sure yeah, it might not be like this, but maybe he'll pop up in some future. It's also good to get like good actors who don't cost a lot. You know, it's the same thing as um, being like a sports franchise. You need good character roles that don't cost you a ton. So like you can afford to get whoever Torres's actor is to sprinkle him in into some upcoming projects. Mm -hmm. Unlike Anthony Mackie, who's probably going to cost <laughs> a fortune, you know? Yeah, you got to um, get some good actors on their ELCs and sign them for like eight <laughs> movies. Exactly. It's, I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. Like Anthony Mackie was already a, a name, but they put him in Ant Man because he was on his ELC. <laughs> yeah. Like you could exactly. do that. So they could be the equivalent of of that with Torres. So next up, we have the uh, the court scene with John. This is, I think, the worst I've ever felt for him, and also the best I think Wyatt has acted. Especially, there's one scene where he's like, "You made me," and his voice cracks, and I was like, "Damn, bro." Like he, he, we, we've seen it back. We've seen it. We've been saying it the entire season. He's what they wanted him to be, but what they wanted him to be wasn't the correct thing, but he pretty much lived up to the legacy. Americans going to kill people. That's the legacy of the new captain America. That's what he thought he was supposed to do. That's what a soldier is supposed to do. Yep. So I've literally never felt worse uh, for, for John Walker here, but I also just like hats off to Wyatt Russell for, 
just acting the hell out of this scene. I thought it was fantastic. But Adam, was this where uh, this continue or did this please you? I, I thought I was, I was okay with the first part of the scene, like the actual courtroom scene, but the, the second half of it can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the, f- you're going to just come in. Like, are you, are you going to play into every storytelling cliche? Is that what this is now? Is it, you just get someone to come in here out of nowhere who basically has, you know, foreshadowing stamped on their forehead. Like that's that's the whole play. Like, oh my god, that was not subtle at all. But I agree with you. I thought I thought the courtroom scene was really good. I really liked that he, like, that's, and I think it's a it's a very resonant thing uh, in America for people who have been in the military. Obviously, which doesn't include me, but people who've been in the military to feel left behind by their government when they no longer have a use for them. Like that's a thing you see in news stories all the time. So it's interesting to see it here because we also we saw it with Isaiah too, right? It's like these are people who the government has taken when they're useful and then cast aside when that's no longer true. And that's, you know, a very real thing that happens to real people. And that's um, why so Steve I, did not sign the Sokovia Accords. Exactly. It's becoming more mm-hmm. and more uh, apparent as time goes on. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I was a fan of this scene. Okay. First Matt, what do you think of the first half of the scene? Yeah, um, I thought it was acted extraordinarily well. Um, I think his name is uh, is it Russell Wyatt? Wyatt Russell. Wyatt um, Russell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's done great the whole time, but this this scene was fantastic. Um, and yeah, totally agree with every everything Adam said. It's like they do a very good job with this character of like it's very clear that he's a bad guy, and you don't like him. You're not supposed to like him, but you can't help feeling for him like repeatedly throughout the series, they've done a really good job of, of making you kind of feel bad for him, even though you still don't like him. You know, you, you feel sorry for the guy and you understand what he's trying to do. Um, you know, he, like his heart really is in the right place. He's just not the right guy for the job. Um, I was, I, I always kind of find courtroom scenes a little bit distracting in most shows. They often pull me out of it because I've seen like actual courtroom trials i've i've seen an actual like court martial uh and like it it, you know knowing what it's actually like always pulls me out of it a little bit but that's not necessarily the point of the show courtroom stuff is like never how it actually is um no but okay uh, that's that's gonna be a story for another day we gotta come back to that you've seen a court martial yes it's not very interesting trust me So can you confirm that an other than honorable discharges is basically like a step up from dishonorable, but a step below honorable, right? Is that the idea? Uh, I've never heard that before. For the American military, I honestly have no idea. Um, Those those terms aren't anything that I mean, for those people that don't know, I'm in the Canadian military. Those aren't terms that we would use for the American military. I actually don't know. Okay, Okay. interesting. I would imagine that, that seems that seems like what it would be, but I don't actually know. Yeah. So, okay. We'll get we'll get to the Julia Louise Dreyfus. So they were talking about the rumor on the internet was that there was going to be a big cameo in episode 5 of this show, the same way they thought there was going to be a big cameo in episode 8 of I think it was uh in WandaVision. And that one just ended up being Paul Bettany being hilarious and saying, I think we talked about this on air. Uh there's an actor I've wanted to work with my entire life and it ended up being himself like just <laughs> <laughs> the master of trolling Paul Bettany. This one, genuinely a fairly big cameo. Julia Louise Dreyfus comes in and is uh, Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. I had wow. never heard of this chick. Uh, I'm... Good for you for remembering that name. I nah, I'm reading it. You can just call her Val. <laughs> yeah, just call her. But don't call her but, Val. But just in, in your head. head. Yeah, I thought, I mean, she comes in. They, they needed an actor who had charisma. And obviously, Julia Louis-Dreyfus has charisma to spare. So she just comes in there, steals the scene. I thought it was hilarious gangster and something that I want to do to have blank, uh, like, business cards printed. And then when someone's like, who the hell are you? Hand them a blank business card. That is so baller. I love it so much. <laughs> Uh, but so she comes in and, and as you said, Adam, it's basically just like foretelling foreshadowing the movie. But in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I feel like it, it you know, things are going to lead into each other, you know, so it's similar in uh, in WandaVision. There are a couple of things. It's like, oh, I'll be interested to see where that goes in the future or if that comes back in some future project. But the thought with her is 
and I haven't like Googled who she was in the Marvel Wikipedia or anything like that. I haven't gone too deep into it. Just some general looking around, but um, that sh- this is all entirely speculation, right? And this is kind of my own head can of what I think might happen. So the thought is that Thaddeus Ross, who's been a character for the past decade, right? Yeah. He's the red Hulk in the comics. Bad guy. Yes. Yeah. Big bad guy. He is working at the raft where they keep super criminals. Right now, I think the only super criminal that we know at this point in the show is Vulture. Actually, Scorpion's there too. And, uh, and, and Zemo goes there later in the episode, and we'll get to that. But the thought is that uh, Val is pretty much going to be the evil version of Nick Fury to gather up a Dark Avengers. And a Dark Avengers would need a Dark Captain America. So when I saw it like that, I was like, oh, shit, this is his Nick Fury moment. Okay, okay. And then uh, that made me a little more excited about it. But I agree. The first time I saw it, it was like she's such a big name actress and comes out of nowhere and then goes nowhere that it it was. I'll agree with you. It was a bit jarring for sure. Yeah. Yeah. In theory, Uh, I like the things that they could do with a character like this. I just felt really out of place for me. Um, And the character to me actually seemed interesting it just i don't know it it was just kind of jarring it just didn't really seem like it fit in with this episode i don't know if they needed to just have her intro be a little bit more serious or maybe introduce her at a different time i'm not you know i'm it's not really sure how to do that that's you know they don't pay me the big bucks to yeah. write the script um <laughs> but uh but yeah it 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 just felt kind of out of place to me I, I i wasn't i wasn't really a fan of it I agree with what Simon said. That makes a lot of sense. If this was an if this was the after credit scene, that that's where it works. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah like maybe you have the episode. Their actual. I mean, first of all, they're not above having two after credit scenes, and no, we later. don't see John again this episode. So why not? Why not? Oh no, you do guys, but it wouldn't have made a big difference, right? Like if she showed up at his house, it wouldn't have made a huge difference versus outside of the court steps. So whatever. No. And then you could have the second after credit scene just be genuinely. The second after credit scene, you could have you could have done both. I think that's if I was going to make a change, that's probably what it would have been. But anyway, we'll keep moving. So then you have a uh, Carly meeting with other people. And she basically uh, at this point confirms that these people are going to be terrorists. That's that's her entire every scene with Carly in this episode is them just being like, so we're terrorists now. Yeah, we're, yep, we're, we're terrorists, terrorists now. <laughs> there's no uh, there's no getting around it. They're. There, I mean, the people around her are looking for redemption, but I mean, they took the super soldier serum. So she's, if she was like a regular radical, like a hardcore left or right winger, I'm not even sure where you'd categorize her. But if she was just a regular radical person who like posts on Facebook and gets mad on Twitter, now she's a terrorist. That's like that kicked up to 11. That's that personality trait. It's a little fucked up. Then we see Zemo for the final time. Uh, very interesting scene. And what do you guys think? Because I adore it i'm betting adam hates it based on uh, what he said at the beginning zemo never betrayed them zemo came in there he got his shit done they never betrayed his character he never had the evil turn he got as far as he knows he got rid of all the super soldier serum he's okay with bucky existing because bucky's kind of a means to an end and i think he also we see it in this scene he sees bucky as as really a victim like uh he didn't volunteer the way steve did bucky was kind of tortured and he went through all that and then, uh, yeah, there. I'm just pausing on the moment. He said they literally programmed you to kill. That you don't have a choice. So he's prepared to die. And it's a good time to remember that Zemo's probably been ready to die for a long time. He, tr- how did he finish up Civil War? He he finished his duty and he was ready to commit suicide because he's, you know, doesn't have his wife and his kids, and you can only dance in bars in uh, whatever the fuck that place was for so long. <laughs> so he's a he's a sad guy. It was a really powerful moment. I thought when. Uh, when Zemo was ready to die and you can see the look in his eyes, fantastic acting by Daniel Brühl. And then uh, of course, Bucky just opens up his hands and, and unloads all the bullets. And then a really nice cathartic moment at the end too, when he says, I took the Liberty of crossing off your list. He doesn't directly apologize, but basically he's saying this is, you've made amends with me. Like, I think we're, we're on the level is pretty much what I took away from that conversation with them that, uh, that, you know, they've, they've, they squared each other out might be the best way to phrase it, but maybe I'll go to Matt first. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the Zemo scene? The final, presumably Zemo scene. Yeah, it, it was a very nice scene. I like the conversation between Zemo and Bucky. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good send off. I was just a little bit confused as because this is obviously seems like a very final kind of moment for Zemo. 
and I'm just in terms of his character, I'm a little confused as to why he's choosing now to leave because there's still like a dozen super soldier terrorists that are like actively hurting people. I feel like he would still want to sort of, you know, be on Team Falcon and the Winter Soldier and be trying to stop those guys. Um, as a scene, if we just agree that like Zemo is this is going to be his final scene, he's on the way out. I really like it. Um, I just feel like it's I just I feel like he should still be in the story. I feel like his for his character, he shouldn't want to be done yet. Um, but as a scene, I really like the only other thing I didn't like about it was the CG uh, like Sokovia monument was kind of distracting for me every time it was in the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't that gigantic of a statue. I feel like they could have just built one. I don't know. Every time I saw it, it's a nicely designed statue and all that. But every time I saw it, I was just like, wow, that's that's pretty CG. And it just kind of sort of <laughs> took me out of it for a second. Oh, man. I didn't notice that at all. So maybe I'm just uh, totally oblivious. Yeah, he does kind of give Bucky the homework assignment of there's no coming back for them. you got to kill them. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I do agree. It, it is a bit strange when you when you put it like that, that Zemo would just be like the super, super soldiers, but whatever. And where does yeah. he go? He goes to the raft. Hmm. 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 This is yeah. where I scratch my beard and I and I look up at the sky and I say, hmm. Adam, what do you think? Do you hmm, at this scene? I mean, Matt basically said everything I was going to say, almost word for word. Jerk. Um, he stole from. <laughs> yeah. Um. That, the only other thing I was going to mention was exactly that. I think it, I think it was very it was a very strange. Like there were a lot of decisions made here that felt like the screenwriters wrote themselves into a corner. Like exactly what Matt said. It doesn't feel like Zemo is done. It's weird that he would leave now and so peacefully. Um, the the character moment with him and, and Bucky is fine and good. And that's a good sort of squaring up. But it happened too early. Like this is a thing that should happen after the next episode. Um, and also taking him to the raft is weird. Like he doesn't actually have any superpowers. A Wakandan prison would hold him perfectly well. Um, so, and the Wakandans are like really mad and also not really big on outsiders, especially since like, you know, with, with Chadwick Boseman dead, one would assume that I don't like, they haven't mentioned how Wakanda is dealing with the loss of the King. Um, I don't think the Marvel knows how they look. Presuming that they're not just going to recap. At this point, I think it was all probably done and set by the time that happened. Yeah. So we probably like, won't see whatever they're going to do with it yet. But like, I I don't like every decision in there felt weird. The character moments felt fine, but all the decisions felt weird. The decision to do it now, the decision to take him to the raft. um, The whole thing about the bullets. Yeah, the like bullets, they did drop it as if they were like, oh, these are the specific bullets that he was getting that he was like saving up, right? Or something like yeah. that. But it was just yeah. like, OK, you could have just had an empty gun like we didn't. Yeah, that, yeah we I didn't believe you. There's no bullet in the gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, there were a bunch of like the scene itself, I thought was really good. But there were a bunch of decisions around it that I didn't like. See, when, I mean, they didn't say this. Sorry, go ahead. I did look up a dishonorable discharge. Uh, other than honorable, other than honorable. Other than, right. Well, yes. So there's there are three levels. There's dishonorable, honorable, and other than honorable. And basically, dishonorable is reserved for court martials. Okay. Um, so if you're so kicked out, but you're not court martialed. It's other than it's honorable. Other than honorable. Yeah. Okay. I can live with that. So I, I mean, the way I kind of in my head saw it is maybe the Wakandans are are extending an olive branch too, and it's just like, okay, we need to capture him because we can't have this guy who killed us running around. But we're not just gonna take it and. Because that would be another problem, right? Politically, it would be they're just like kidnapping an American prisoner. Yeah. Or uh, so that's kind of how I saw it. it. But it wasn't said. You're correct. The fact that I was just like, yeah, that makes sense to me that they would do that because they're extending. They're not going to get involved in it. They just want to get them back locked up. And again, I kind of like how it pieces are fitting into place for potentially a, a dark Avengers with now our dark Nick Fury. But anyway, we'll keep moving on because this is a long episode. We've already been going for a while. Then you get to see Isaiah Bradley. We knew he was going to come back. Uh, we knew he was going to come back because we saw it in the promo, <laughs> right? In the uh, <laughs> last week on or whatever. So he comes back. He gives you kind of the full story. And it's basically he was Steve. That's essentially what it is. 
Steve goes and gets the Howling Commandos. He comes back a hero. Isaiah goes and gets his version of the Howling Commandos. He comes back. They all die. And he's experimented on for 30 years, during which time his wife passes away and he doesn't actually get any of the letters from her. Absolutely heartbreaking. And I think that you needed to have, I mean, again, it's going to be so awkward and probably um, irresponsible of us to go into like the super duper race stuff as three white dude, three Canadian white men, I should say <laughs> the nuances of American race politics. But that being said, uh, as a, like, there are some people I've seen who are just like, Oh man, you got to bring a race into the Yes. Yes, they do. Any other country in the world. Maybe you could leave race out of it. If you had like captain France, I don't know. Maybe France has even worse atrocities in there than America does, but America's the one on the global scale. So if you're going to have a black Captain America, you have to address it like tough shit. You have to address it. And this was a great way to say like, Hey, just keep in mind that historically things have been pretty fucking awful for us. And I see, I mean, he's got some strong words, right? He's like, they, yeah. could they would never make it another black Captain America. And if there was any self-respecting black man would never want to be damn bro. <laughs> like you coming out swinging it, Sam. Holy shit. Well, he said it bottled up for 30 years. So, I, yeah, I guess, eh? Uh, Matt, what did you think of that, that scene? I, th I thought it was fantastic. This might have been my favorite scene in the episode. Um, and yeah, again, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into it as, you know, I don't want to interpret other people's experiences and feelings for them. But like, you know, as basically an outsider to this conversation, I thought it was I thought it was amazing. Um, and yeah, it's like, I think. The idea of a black Captain America is inherently political. Like you, you have, I think you have to put some serious blinders on to not, uh, to not see that. Um, and so I think, I think it's good that they're addressing it. I think, it, I think it would almost be irresponsible to just, you know, do the thing that it looks like they're going to do and have Sam become Captain America and not talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I, I really, really like the scene. I don't know if we're going to see more of Isaiah Bradley. I would guess not. Um, but I he's been a, he's all. been a really interesting character. Um, and yeah, I, I thought the, I thought the scene was excellent. Yeah, I mean, last week, remember, at the very end of the episode, I listed off like eight or nine story threads that they had two episodes to close out. They took the time to slow things down and close a bunch of them. I think mm -hmm. that uh, and I think that the one on Isaiah Bradley is is closed for sure. Yep. Totally agree. OK, so uh, moving on to the next scene, which is uh, man, that scene was actually longer than I thought it was. OK, so now we have Sam home and we begin a very long sequence. And I thought of a wonderful sequence of Sam trying to fix up that boat. So right now. I, I did again. I really like Sarah and so does Bucky, but I really like Sarah <laughs> <laughs> and all the scenes that she has with Sam because they had a very natural to be sibling relationship. And at this point in the episode, Sam has given up and he's like, okay, so we're going to sell it. Like he's, he's conceded. He went halfway and met Sarah and said, okay, this is what's reasonable. He gave up, which is exactly what you want to see from a nice character. Obviously in the end, she'll do the same thing for him. But, uh, yeah, then they realize they have to fix it up. They have that nice sequence. It's a little bit like cheesy, but sure. He's a superhero. He's supposed to be a good guy. It makes sense. He had good parents. You get that lovely scene of the uh, the community coming together. This might have been too much cheese for Adam. <laughs> but uh, the scene of we still have a few more favors to call in. We're not totally useless. Uh, the community coming together. To me, that was just nice to see. Like it had a very they wanted to establish that earlier where Sam's from is a very small town feel. Everybody knows everybody. And then when when someone's in trouble, they're going to come together and find a way to sort it out. And then Bucky showing up uh, with, I thought, some of the funniest superhero moments that I've seen in a long, long time. Like, deep cut. Okay, and I'll go to you guys in a second. Did you guys remember the first Fantastic Four movie with yes. Chris Evans? Yep. One of my favorite superhero moments in any movie I've ever seen is when Chris Evans is carrying Jiffy Pop and it pops while he walks to the couch. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. I, to me, that was one of the great superhero moments. Just like casual superheroing isn't something that we get to see enough. And it's not the same thing here, but I got a little bit of that same feeling when Bucky's just like, like Sam struggling with things that are difficult to do. He's probably going to eventually do it. He's a very strong guy. And then Bucky just comes in and just does it. It's like, yeah, having super strength makes a lot of these shipbuilding tasks trivial. 
Um, but at least this is a since it's such a long sequence, we'll start with like the first part of it. And then when Bucky shows up for the first time, also, what an I thought hilarious line. You know, I'm right handed, so I don't immediately think of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, was, that was so good. No. Amazing. I, I really I actually really like this scene. Oh, um, I, I thought it went on a little long, uh, but I, I like the concept. I like the community coming together. I thought once I saw this scene, I felt a little bit better about uh, Falcon getting his wings ripped off mm-hmm. because now you sort of see, OK, we're building to an all is lost moment and you can't do that if he still has his wings. I'm like, all right, you, di- you didn't pay it off earlier, but you paid it off now. So I, I forgive you. Um, but I thought that was good. Yeah, that Bucky's line is hilarious. Um, him showing up is great. The sort of awkwardness is like that where the two of them, they've been not nasty, but catty with each other for so yeah. long that it's weird to see them be nice to each other and they're awkward and that's good. And I, so I like that character moment. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I really like Sarah. Uh, the community moment makes sense. And I, I'm 100% casual use of superpowers is one of the best things. Um, I am, I am all for casual use of superpowers. So no, this, I thought this, this sequence was the highlight of the episode. I just thought it went on a little long. Oh, there you go. Okay. Matt, what'd you think? Yeah, I really liked it as well. Um, the, the whole community coming together is like a little cheesy. We've seen it lots of times before, but I liked that like all of their problems weren't fixed as soon as that happened. Right. Like you still see shots of them afterwards, like fixing things it's like yeah now they have the new part to install but we still have to watch sam struggle to install it kind of thing um so so i thought that was that was pretty good um and yeah i agree the like mundane things but with superpowers are always super funny i love that stuff and the line about bucky's arm was i think that's like the funniest thing that's happened in the show so far i think that's my favorite line from the whole series um and uh, there was there was one moment that I noticed where Bucky's just sort of sitting on the ship and he's just sort of like playing around with a knife. And it it I don't know if it was intentional, but it really made me think of um, like Captain America, the Winter Soldier, like in the movie. He does. Mm-hmm. He has some like similar moves where he does when he's like fighting Steve, he does this like sort of flippy knife thing a few times. And it just oh, I, don't yeah, know, I remember that. I don't know if that was intentional, but it, it made me think of that. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. Overall, I like the scene a lot. So Bucky and, and Sarah flirting was kind of fun and funny. Um, (laughs) you know, and, and of course, you know, obviously Sam doesn't like it, like, Hey, don't flirt with my sister. Um, but, uh, yeah, overall, I, I really, I really liked the sequence. It was nice. It was, it was good to see Sam be kind of like a, you know, a regular life superhero after losing his wings. Yeah. I, I, I think that the scene with the knife was definitely intentional. What I don't know is if it was scripted. I think that's what you might have meant. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. maybe Sebastian Stan was like, you know, I, because I remember watching an, an interview with him after he did Winter Soldier where he was just talking about like practicing that knife shit like 24-7 in order to get it look as smooth in the movie. And it looks smooth and makes sense that he didn't necessarily lose that uh, that little skill. So they just found a way to throw it in there and to say he's still uh, the kid still got it. Yeah, uh, it was it, just a lovely, like heartwarming community scene. Um, then you have La, uh, John meeting with Lamar's family. His speaking uh, of the opposite of heartwarming. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's in a very dark room. It's it's all sketchy. His parents are both like, I think his dad was just like, so this is what happened. And then his mom was just overwhelming John with uh, with gratitude. And I thought that I mean, I truly believe that John loved the Mars, it's just that he went off the deep end a little bit. But then you get to see the stink eye from uh, speaking sister. of sisters. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. That I I can I have a barely have a sense of smell I could smell it through the TV that stink eye I swear to God uh, that She's that I reeked yeah uh, but yeah so that's probably gonna come up later I don't know well actually I don't know if it will I don't know if we'll ever find out the truth or if that's just a thing that we get to see that even in private John uh, I I think truthfully believes that the guy he killed killed Lamar yeah I think I the interesting thing for me in this scene. Like I, I like it in the sense that it's a parallel, not just the light and dark thing, but also in that the the scene before has you see Bucky and and um oh my god, I've lost his name. Steve? No, Sam. Sam. Uh, oh Sam. Sam, thank you. Yeah, I don't know where it just went out of my head. Anyway, you see Bucky and Sam get what they need from each other, right? Like they're they're getting support from each other and from the siblings, and Bucky gets to use his powers for an unambiguously good thing. Like there's a lot of like that's that's a very it's a very cathartic moment. And then over here, yes, the moment is sad, but I think more importantly, like um 
he doesn't get anything that he needs from the family. Like he gets scorned from the sister and the mom's attitude is basically, she says it, he knew what he was getting into and he was super, you know, he was super happy to be working with you and all of that. And I don't really remember how the dad reacted, but like he is, um, he's grieving right mm -hmm. now and there's no share. They don't share in that grief with him. They all have their own reactions, but essentially he goes there. They have this conversation as distinct entities, and then presumably he leaves. And so now he's walking away as this just bundle of grief without the resolution, without any resolution at all. Yeah. Um, and, and that parallel I thought was, I thought that, I thought that was really effective. Even again, if I didn't think the scene was great, I thought the parallel was not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's well put. The, a big focus on this is is support support structures. That's a clearly a mental health is clearly a main theme of this series, and you can see that John basically has nothing, right? Like, and they even mention it. it. I'm sure it would have happened anyway, but to me, it was more poignant that he doesn't get benefits now that he's a he's basically gone through. Uh, not to you know rank people's PTSD, but I think it would be fair to say that he could probably get a diagnosis after what he's gone through, if not had one already quite frankly based on what they've told us about his history of the service but nope you're pretty much fucked you're on your own which is another kind of statement about american systems i do want to point out because then after that we go back to to bucky and sam building the boat well we do have a scene in uh in the middle there but there's a scene where bucky and sam are drinking and there haven't been a ton of like paid advertisements and they don't like show the heineken bottle like they're not holding it with the label out or anything like that but Okay, this is just a dumb little anecdote. When I first started drinking, like as an adult, I was uh, I had seen in movies that they do that thing all the time where they just like lift the bottle up aggressively and then slam it back down. That's how they always drink in movies, just like glug and done. So yeah, I, I did that at a party. I wasn't paying attention. Um, and I was like, this is how people drink. And I did that. And then if you do it with actual booze, it will foam up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Foamed up and over all my shirt, and I look like a fucking lunatic. But I was like, <laughs> I thought it was gonna be cool, and it backfired. So then when I saw it here, I'm like, Bucky, there wasn't even any bubbles when he did it. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, and then we get to see this the smallest scene of Sharon, and she hires Batroc. So first of all, I still don't think Sharon's a power broker unless it's a uh, uh, unless it's a shadow broker type situation. But I I think there might be someone that she's working for. But boy, is this sketchy that she's hiring. I mean, we don't know what he's hiring. He's been hired for at the time, but she hired him to kill Falcon unambiguously. He says it later. So another thing, we, we weren't sure if we're going to see a GSP again. Yeah, but he's definitely going to be a part of the final. And I think he's going to have a big fight scene. I think that's what they're gearing up to. Um, but Sharon's sketchy as fuck. Well, yeah, we I kind that. of feel like I'm, I'm thinking now that either one of two things either sharon is the power broker or the power broker is going to be some previously established villain like maybe like the mandarin or something like that because i feel like they can't they've talked about it too much to not have a power broker reveal in the finale and if it's just some random person we haven't seen before i feel it might it might I feel like that would kind of take the wind out of the sails a little bit to just like introduce the big bad villain in the very last episode so I'm kind of leaning towards now that Sharon actually is the power broker. Interesting. I think if you reminded me of what I'd probably put my chips in for, I think I'd put it for the Mandarin because we know the real Mandarin's coming and they're in that they're in the correct part of the world. So that to me would uh, would make sense. And they're kind of leading him in because we're going to have a Shang-Chi movie. Adam, what do you think of of Sharon Carter being sketchy? I mean, I don't know that we need to see <laughs> this scene again. This this felt like another post credit scene. Although I appreciate that having three is now pushing it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, like it was fine. I mean, I think we already knew she was sketchy, but again, I, I, I don't like that they took away screen time for this, but it only cemented my feelings that, yeah, she's the power broker. Yeah. And okay. also that she's apparently just completely gone off the fucking deep end. <laughs> Yeah, eh, they, yeah, they there's no way they can't address what's happening with her coming up. So then we get an I thought like a really nice scene where Bucky is uh he crashes in, in Sam's house. We knew that 
the beginning, Sam was like, you're not going to go stay in a hotel. Don't be a, don't be an idiot. Um, and then you wake up and then he sees Sam's nephews playing with the shield and in the classic kid fashion, they think they're busted and they're in trouble or something like that. But he just kind of smiles. I thought it was like a really nice moment where he's like, he gets that shield has meant maybe aside from Steve, that shield has meant more to him than a lot of other people because it's his family. And he gets to see, I thought a really nice, just, just kids kind of playing with his family. It's still a, a little bit of uh, his family was still alive in that moment. That's, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I thought it was a really beautiful couple seconds. I, and I think it's important. Um, well, I think it's an important character moment in the sense that I think earlier buff, uh, Buffy, earlier, Buffy, <laughs> uh, she's uh, earlier, in this too. Wow. Yeah. Uh, earlier would have, um, also, she would have kicked his ass. Uh, earlier, Bucky would have gotten mad at the kids. Yeah, true. This Bucky, this Bucky is mature. Season. Yeah, he's been like, don't fucking touch the shields. There's the arc. There's the arc yeah. for Bucky right there. So then, yeah. uh, continuing, uh, or sorry, Matt, did you have a thought about that, or should we move on? No, I just thought it was a nice moment. I don't, I don't have much to say. Perfect. So then, I thought it was a, another good moment where you get to see that, even though they say it later, they're not partners. Uh, <laughs> they clearly are. Because they yeah. get together and they're trying to fix a thing on the boat before Sarah catches them and they don't get away with it. Sarah does catch them, which is also a pretty good moment. Uh, <laughs> Bucky, the way he said hi, Sarah, was so perfect. <laughs> yeah, that, that was great. Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> just incredible stuff. And then they get to go and have uh, maybe my favorite scene of the entire series. Uh, no, I'll say it, my favorite scene of the entire series. Them chatting outside. Uh, Sam's house. So first of all, they're playing a very elaborate catch with the shield, which was kind of cool, but also makes sense, right? Like the thing does not obey the laws of physics at all to quote Peter Parker. And if you're going to get good with this thing, that I think that was a lot of people, myself included thoughts when Steve gave Sam the shield at the end of Endgame. Spoilers for Endgame, I guess. I don't think I need to say <laughs> At this point, if you're listening to this, you've seen Endgame. Let's be comfortable. Like my thought was, okay, I like Sam a lot. But that boy needs some super soldier serum because to understand the trajectory and handle that shield, I don't feel like a regular human could do it was my thought. But then they they knew that and they put the scene in there. But like you get to see what we talked about two episodes ago. Our favorite part was Sam being a therapist to Carly. He's got the skills. Use them. His words are as effective, if not more, as his fists. Right. And you get that it's a such a fantastic scene and Bucky I think lays it all out too you know at the beginning they you knew something was eating Bucky but he didn't really have the the capability to vocalize it now he does he says you know that shields my family and it's all I've got left you know such an incredible little scene and then you know Steve gave me the book he's kind of talking about Steve he's kind of talking about shield and we get I mean it was implied but it's nice to get the confirmation that Bucky and Steve definitely had an off-screen talk before Steve went back in time, which was lovely to hear. I think we all suspected it, but it's nice to know that they had that kind of level of closure. And then Bucky says straight up, I don't think either of us really understood what it would mean for, uh, for a black man to become Captain America. Yeah. And I think that's the thesis of the show. Honestly, that's what this whole thing has been building up towards. So I pretty much adored all of that. The only part that I think I haven't covered is when Sam, therapizes Bucky and basically says, no, you're, you're apologizing because you make it'll feel you feel better. What you need to do is make them feel better. And then he sends him on a, a his presumably Bucky's final quest off screen or not off screen, but away from Sam to, uh, to apologize to Nori, which I'm assuming is going to happen in episode six. So pretty much this whole sequence before the montage was 10 out of 10. I loved it. Matt, what'd you think? Oh, this scene was fantastic. I know I definitely said it about, I think, the Isaiah scene earlier that it was my favorite, but uh, this is definitely my favorite. Um, <laughs> just, it was just, it's so great, again, to see Sam, you know, using his words to help people. Um, and it is very, a very well written scene. I like the little line about, like, you know, oh, like you weren't, you weren't amending, you were avenging, right? And that's, yeah, because, you know, what he knows is what he's trying to do, but it's like, that's not, that's not what we need here. Right. You know? Um, and yeah, I, I just, I, such an excellent scene. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't honestly have a whole lot to say about it, but it was just really, really well done. I love seeing the two of these guys interact. They have such a, like every, everything 
they say has so much weight and history behind it. Um, anytime we just get a heart to heart between these two guys, I love it. And it, and it was great to see um, them sort of finally come together and be, you know, uh, was it coworkers, professionals, whatever that little bit at the end was funny. Um, but it's, it's very nice to see, to see them finally come together at the end. I thought they did a good job of that sort of uh, like, you know, now finally we're on the same page. We're good with each other uh, kind of scene that we sort of, you know, probably expected was coming through the whole show, but I thought it was done really well. Agreed. Adam, come in here and tell us that you hated it. I did, I mean, I didn't hate it. I thought it was heavy handed. Um, <laughs> I, I liked the idea. I, I thought the, the, the thing that, that kept coming to mind in the, um, in my head when I was watching both this and the, the montage that follows it was like, this is normally the, the, the statement is show don't tell. This is like, you, you are show you are telling by showing like, this is really obvious. This is very ham handed. Um, and especially the montage. Oh, that was hard to fucking watch. <laughs> Okay, we'll go there because I thought the montage was great. I thought a, a few more windows should have been broken, but uh, it, I mean, you get to see Anthony Mackie working out outside, which I don't think a lot of people are going to complain about. That's a good looking man. And also, uh, like, again, I would not have believed if he just picked up the shield and all of a sudden was good with it. It's such a weird weapon. So I thought that they mm -hmm. needed a montage of him figuring it out. Yeah, yeah I feel I like he should have struggled a bit more with it. Although it was a little bit weird because they had, uh, you know, had just had a scene with he and Bucky kind of casually playing catch with it, you know, not actually catch, but and then right away we go into a montage where it shows him struggling with it. Mm. Uh, I maybe wouldn't have had them throwing it around in the in like the the scene previous to this, um, but overall I did like the montage. Sorry, Adam, I cut you off. Well, I th no, I mean I agree with you. I think it's that's a little weird. And I think now that you've said that, and I'm kind of glad you cut me off because I had time to think about it. Um, <laughs> I think I would have rather if they merged the two things together. Like if the scene was over a few days where he and Bucky like sort of had the conversation in pieces while he's working on the shield. Because then like if, if the only person who knows the shield half as well is Bucky. So... It would have made sense for Bucky to be helping him sort of become Captain America. And that also would have been a very good character moment for Bucky in that he gets to, like, not only has he, you know, explicitly given his permission for for Sam to do that and, and said that he talked to Steve about it and said, yeah, this is a good idea, even though we didn't think it through at the time. Um, but I think it would have been good for that both the 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 mon the training part of it and the conversation part of it to start out difficult and then grow over the series of a few very short scenes because that would have been a nice parallel it's a here's a conversation that they are struggling to have because communication is not their fucking strong suit um not with each other anyway and then over a bit of time, because they're actively working at it, as Sam said, because they're putting in the work, Sam gets better with the shield and they get better with each other. And then you culminate with Sam being ready to go and Bucky going off and, and amending rather than avenging. I don't know. I thought that the scenes on the boat were them getting more comfortable with each other was was truly what I thought. Like it started off with. Uh, you know, Sam, Sam can't do something, so Bucky takes over, and then that's the, the running joke for a little bit, but then over time, you see that they are you know, culminating with, what was it, the ship's engine or something they were trying to fix? That they uh, they truly worked together on it, so I kind of thought that by the time they got there, they were capable of having that moment. I did also think, like, the... Uh, I know I touched on it earlier, but just to expand on my own point, <laughs> tap myself on the back, um was when Bucky says that, like, when they talked about it, that also made it more, make more sense why Bucky was so pissed off at Sam at the beginning of the season. Just like, we talked about this. This was supposed to be your fucking gift, and you throw it away. Like, he didn't want to say it, because it wasn't there. But uh, I thought that it made previous scenes make a little more sense. I mean, yeah, they probably could have spaced it out a little bit more, but I didn't mind how they did it. There was one scene, there's only, only two scenes left, so we'll wrap up in a hot second here. Um, there was one scene that we didn't talk about, which I thought was also important, which is they're about to paint over the names of presumably their parents. 
on the boat. And uh, Sam gets in there. He's got the he's got the blue paint. And then Sarah's like, nope, stop. And then they have a, a nice little talk. And basically, Sarah says, you know, Bradley was right to say what he said. He, those are definitely his experiences, but those aren't the only experiences. And then I, I want to almost go back and read it verbatim because it was so good. But Sam's line of what's the point of getting knocked down if you don't get up and keeping and keep fighting or something like that. And I, when I heard that, I was like, Very that's steep. Captain America. Yeah. That, that's the Captain America line that, you know, John never had in his philosophy book. Um, but that's very Steve, and it's very uh, it's good that Sam is at a point where that makes sense too. Maybe even even more poignant for him. Um, so I have a feeling that none of us need to talk about uh, the terrorism because they're terrorists. And then <laughs> then the episode ends before we get to see what's in the box. So did either of you guys have any scenes about the the boat one that I just talked about? Any thoughts? What you said basically sums it up. I think yeah, yeah. It's a good necessary scene, and it's a good necessary moment for Sam. Because now you've now you've convinced the audience that that he's a good successor to Steve in the way that that John can't be. Exactly. Yeah, and he kind of uh, had his moment with his other superhero of like the fully like accepting like, yep, like you're the guy. And now he kind of has that same conversation with his, you know, like his non superhero family. I thought it was kind of a nice parallel. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought that was a good a good moment. Like, it, I mean the conversation that he has with Sarah is so well-written, but also so thinly veiled because it's a, it clearly alluding to, uh, to more stuff, but it was just a great, great little moment. What would be the point of all this pain and sacrifice? If I'm not willing to stand up and keep fighting was the exact line. That's yeah. Frame that. That's the quote. If you need someone to give a one line description of, of captain America, that's it. it. That's the one. Yeah, that's the line. And then, uh, the last thing to talk about is there is a credit scene in this episode. And John's arm recovered, not a super surprise. And he's going full Tony Stark, making it in a cave with a box of scraps, making his own shield. So. What do we uh, what do we think about John Walker making his own shield here? I like it. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I'm really excited to see like a showdown between like basically the opposite ends of, you know, the two Captain Americas. Um and uh, I I'm fully expecting a shot at some point where Sam breaks John's like fake cap shield with the real one. Um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see because presumably in the final scene in the main episode, you know, Sam opens up the uh, the the Wakandan box with presumably his new Captain America suit. Um I'm really interested to see what it's going to look like. And just visually, I'm super excited to see the two Captain Americas fight against each other. I, I'm, I got really hyped up actually by the, by the post credit scene. Okay. Final thoughts. We'll go to Adam first and then Matt new Captain America suit wings or no wings. I'm banking on wings. Matt. I'm going to guess no wings. Although there has to be something cool and techy about it because it's Wakandan. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm going to say no wings. Yeah, purely because I think that they're going to have Torres be Falcon. They want this new Captain America could be distinct. Uh, I don't think it'll have wings either, but I do think I'm going to make a cop out and agree with both of you. I do think that he'll have some way to fly or at least glide or something like that. It would be a shame to lose that that part of him. But I think that they that visually it'd be good to keep new Captain America distinct from new Falcon kind of thing is where I suspect they're going to go. Yeah, and there has to be some kind of uh, techiness to it, you know, because Sam isn't a super soldier, right? And now he's lost his, you know, kind of what made him super, uh, you know, gave him his powers was his wings, right? So now essentially he's just a dude. He's like John Walker, but, you know, he actually fills the role or suits the role in that he's just a dude with a shield. So he's getting a Wakandan, presumably, a Wakandan suit. Um, so I think that's a good way to, you know, kind of actually like, amp him up to just for him to still be on the level, like just physically uh, with some of the other characters that are going around. Yeah. If he's going to compete with captain America and Bucky and I mean, Batroc doesn't have a super soldier serum unless boy, that would be a <laughs> twist. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's kind of cool to see like black people making a suit for a black captain America. I think that's pretty cool. It's yeah, true. exactly. I totally agree. Adam, any final thoughts? No, I think I, I'm yeah. I'm interested to see what they do with the suit. 
Um, but at this point, it's just, you know, bring on the next one and, and let you, you spent all this time setting it up. Let's knock them down. Well, there you go. So uh, retroactively, feel free to uh, hit us up on Facebook and like us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Nerds of the North podcast. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. It uh, doesn't matter where it is. We are there. I can almost guarantee it. So that's very exciting. And if you, uh, regardless of whether you loved this episode, kind of liked it or loved it or hated it, we got someone here for you. We run the full game. <laughs> we are the full Goldilocks situation on this episode, which is fantastic to see. But in the meantime, everybody out there, have a safe week, have a great week, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.